Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Chapter number one, verse number 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong. He burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue a Keldavine. That is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. And his bishopric, or his place, let another take. Uh, Uh, Elder Brother Calhoun stood up here tonight and he said what he felt, that this, he felt that this is a place of refuge. This is a safe place. This is the right place. Everybody say, this is the right place. Amen. I want to talk tonight on this subject. This is my place and there ain't nobody. That's not good English. But I want to preach, this is my place, and there ain't nobody going to take it. Will you say that with me? This is my place. This is my place. And ain't nobody going to take it. Say it with me again. This is my place, and there ain't nobody going to take it. Do you feel that way tonight? Hallelujah. Do you have a place in the house of God that's special to you? Do you have a place in the house of God that's a privilege, that you feel it's a privilege to be a part of this place? Hallelujah. Thank God. Let's ask the Lord to touch us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We bless your name. We give you honor. Lord, it's so good to be among your people. It's so good to praise your name and bless you. Touch us with your word, your spirit, your anointing, your glory. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. And you may be seated. God bless you. I have heard people make statements such as, This church will never make it without me. I have heard in 18 years of pastoring, I've heard people make statements such as, When I walk out the door, This whole operation is going to fall apart. And I almost chuckle 
when people say things like that because I realize that God is bigger than any one personality. And God is bigger than any one individual. And honey, this church can make it without me. But I cannot make it without the church. The church will go on. Let me tell you, the church can have revival with me or without me. But I cannot survive without the church. I need my brothers and sisters tonight. I need my pastor. I need the preaching. I need the worship. I need the testimonies. I need the singing. I need what goes on. I need this altar here. I need people to pray with me and pray for me. I need the church. Amen. I'm telling you that, that uh, it has amazed me in the years that I have pastored and, and, and in, in the ups and downs of church life. It has amazed me that, that no matter how talented a person may be, this is not a negative message tonight, so don't, don't turn off your hearing aid yet. Uh, but, but no matter how talented or or, or how uh, dependable a person has been. And, and no matter how much we have leaned on people, God has a, a replacement strategy. God didn't just wring His hands when Moses, it was time for Moses to go. God had a Joshua to put in the place of Moses. God didn't have a nervous breakdown when it was time for Elijah to leave. He had an Elisha to step in and take the mantle and move on and go with it. I'm telling you, God is not taken by surprise when people fail or when people make mistakes or when people backslide. The church is going to go on. The church is going to be blessed. The church is going to have the presence and the glory of God. There's no man that can stop the church. There's no backbiter that can stop the church. There's no gossip that can stop the church. There's nobody full of bitterness that can stop the church. There's nobody talking about the pastor that can stop the church. Brother, God's got his hand on the church. And if God's got his hand on the church... Amen. I want to be where God's hand is. The church is His bride, His love, where His affection is. I want to be in the middle of the place that His love is. Hallelujah. I want to love the church like He loves the church. Let me tell you, David got the chance to become the greatest king that Israel ever knew because Saul couldn't get his act together. David got the opportunity to become the leader and the man that was after God's own heart that would lead all of Israel simply because Saul got so lousy in his place that God finally said that I am going to take what I've given you and rend it from thee and I'm going to give to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. I don't know how you feel. I don't want God to say that about me. I don't want God to look 
at my life and say, since you didn't appreciate my blessings, and since you were not grateful for what I gave you, and because you are not going to do anything with what I put in your hands, step aside, son. I'm going to let somebody else step in that place. And if they could have your opportunity, they'd do something with it. If they could get your opportunity, they'd win a soul with it. If they could get your opportunity, they'd run the aisles with it. If they could get your opportunity, they'd worship. Nobody had to beg them to pray. Nobody would have to beg them to worship. Nobody would have to beg them to get on fire for God. Nobody would have to fuss at them to get them involved. Step aside, Saul. There's a David on the way. Oh, Lord. Brother Smith, I want to cherish my place. Out of all the millions, this is so simple tonight, but this is what I felt. Out of all the millions of people that God could have touched, that God could have revealed this oneness message to, He touched me. Out of all the people out of this world that have never been baptized in Jesus' name, the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, He let me be baptized in His precious name. He allowed me to be Filled with the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. And oh, Lord, I don't ever want to take it for granted. My place in the house of God. My seat in His kingdom. My, my position among the saints. You know, Saul, he, he had whipped Philistines. It wasn't because David could defeat Philistines. Saul had whipped his share. The Philistines. He he had almost totally destroyed the Amalekites. He was a warrior. He was powerful. He was victorious. Uh, he had uh, he had accomplished so much. He was a man that was greatly feared. He was even greatly feared by his own family. He was a leader. And, and he had even raised up other leaders. Jonathan, his son, was, was also courageous in battle. Saul had incredible qualities. But God was not just looking for incredible qualities. God was looking for somebody that had a heart for him. That said, God, if you'll give me a chance to face Goliath, I'm not going to run like everybody else does. I'm going to thank God for my place in the kingdom. I'll face that giant. I'll fight that battle. God, if you give me a chance to sing, I'm going to say the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to sing rock music. I'm not going to sing rap music. I'm not going to sing worldly music. I'm going to sing praises to you. God, if you'll give me a chance to write, I'll write about your goodness. I'll write about my experience with you if you give me a chance to use my talent it'll all be for your glory and not for mine hallelujah let me tell you the church can become so familiar to us that it just doesn't mean much anymore God I pray that you'd stir me up to realize how blessed and privileged I am to have a seat in the house of God where I'm at, how blessed I am, how blessed I am to go to this church where truth is preached, how blessed I am to be at a place where I can worship and praise God. There's a lot of places that they're 
twice dead, plucked up by the roots. There's a lot of places they don't hear much preaching. They hear a few speeches, but there's not much anointed preaching. Brother, I'm going to tell you, if you could ever see what you really have, you'd come in here every service and say, oh, thank you, Jesus. It's not dry and dead. Thank you, Jesus. I can worship. Thank you, Lord. I can feel His presence, Sister White, even at a wedding, because this is a place where the glory is. This is a place where the anointed is. And I don't ever want to take it for granted. Amen. I heard recently about a woman that came to a church and she was visiting an apostolic service for the first time. And she stepped in and she just started crying. Prayer requests were going on. And she just starts crying. And, and then they started singing the first song and she's just crying. And then they sing the second song and she's just really crying. And, and then they welcome the guest and she's crying. And then they made the announcements and she's still crying. And I've cried during some announcements also. But, but uh, worship is going on and, and the songs are going on and she can't stop crying. And then the preacher was preaching and, 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 and she's crying and then the altar call is given and she's crying. And, and, and finally after service she said, Pastor, why am I crying? What's wrong with me? I'm losing it. Something is terribly wrong with me. I cannot quit crying. And the pastor said, oh, that's the presence of God that you're feeling. That's the Spirit of God that you feel in this place. She said, I've never felt this before. He said, that's because that's the Holy Ghost. That's the Spirit of the Lord. And, and so she said, but if that's the Spirit of the Lord, why aren't all of y'all crying? If you feel what I feel, why aren't you crying? And he had to step back and say, you know, it's because I've gotten used to it. It's because we've gotten used to it. It's because we've felt it so much and we've heard the song so much and we've just kind of taken it for granted. Lord, stir up that new convert excitement in us again. God, stir me up to feel about church like I did when I first got the Holy Ghost. Stir me up to feel about preaching like I did. Amen. About the evangelist. About my pastor stepping in the pulpit. Like I did when I first came in. And everything was fresh. Everything was beautiful. Everything was wonderful. In the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I don't want to lose that deep connection. I don't want to lose that tenderness. That tenderness. Folks, where has our tenderness in the presence of God gone? That we don't have to have a super sad story or a preacher hanging us over the flames of hell. But there's such a gratitude that God has put me in His church. And I'm in the kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah. I've been reading recently about some of the um, some of the investments that our government has been making in, in uh, they're trying to develop a super soldier and, develop, and, and, and they're trying to develop techniques of mind control and get a soldier so powerful he can just meditate 
on an enemy combatant and make his heart explode. And they, they say they've done that to, to goats. And I'm reading this book about all this training they're putting these soldiers through and all this. They, they believe they can get these super soldiers to the place that they can get them to walk through a wall. That they just get so powerful. And they're into all of this mind control and this training. It's, it's really, it's a weird deal. And one of these guys, he was down training some soldiers, I believe in, in Nicaragua or Honduras, and, and, and he, he got them to where they would drive over him in a jeep. Uh, they, would, they would drive over him with a jeep, and he could, he could, he could take that. He, could, he, he was going to be a super soldier. But they had to drive real slow because you can take the weight, but you can't take the force of speed with the weight. And one of the guys that they told to drive, they forgot to tell him, you can drive over him, run over him, but real slow. He didn't get the memo. And so he thought, this is fun. I get to run over somebody today. And ba-boom, ba-boom, he killed him. Hallelujah. No more super soldier. But, but they, they claim that, that, uh, that they can get them so, so much energy coming out of their mind and let them zero in on a goat. Now, they have to start with hamsters. I'm telling you the truth. They start with hamsters. You can't start on goats. That's too far up the chain there. You've got to start with, and if you can get that hamster to where he just barely on that wheel, you know, and he falls off and his tongue's hanging out, you, you, you may have it. You can, you can. And you can concentrate your mind's energy in such a powerful way, the heart of that hamster will just explode. Do y'all think that's silly? Well, I do too, but the U.S. government evidently, they don't. They're really, they're, this, these are real, really things. And they've, they've got these goats and they're, and, and they, they, uh, in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, this is documented now, uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, they have, they have this, this place, it's super secret, highly secret, and they have several hundred goats, and these goats have been de-bleated, which means they cannot bleat. I don't know whether y'all don't tell the animal rights activists they're going to be in trouble. But anyway, they they can't. And so what they do is they take the goats and they they shoot the goat in the in the leg, and then they send soldiers who are trained to be medics to go in there, and they learn how to bandage up live wounds and battlefield wounds by shooting the goats. And then they sometimes they open up the goats and let them see the heart or the kidneys or whatever in the battlefield. Isn't that mean to do a goat that way? And and uh, they even took back in this. This has been going on for many, many years. And uh, you know what? I found out. So I've got just about everybody's attention. I found out you can talk about scripture, and they will look at the wall, and they'll look at something on their phone, and text, and and man. But you start talking about something bloody and gory, boy. They man, and. And so really, they took about 4,000 goats and they put them on an ark, a, a boat of some kind, and they exploded this atomic bomb several thousand feet over, just right over 4,000 goats so they could see what it would do. And it was not very pretty. But uh, so anyway, somebody got to investigate and said, man, y'all are mistreating these goats. You're just shooting go poor little goats and they can't even bleat. Can't even cry about it. shooting goats in the leg and opening them up and 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 
just exploding these bombs and, and killing these goats. Isn't this terrible? And they said, well, we used to try it with dogs, but nobody wanted to shoot a dog in the leg just to bandage it back up because people get an emotional bond with a dog, but nobody has the capability of having an emotional bond with a goat. And I, re well, I read that is that they don't have an emotional capability. You can bond with a sheep. Shepherds bond with sheep. But it is almost impossible to have an emotional bond with a goat. And I remembered the scripture that said at the judgment day, he's going to divide the sheep from the goats. And I wonder if that means it's those who never had any emotional bond with him, any real love for him. You can have, a, my father-in-law had goats for a while, and, and uh, you can have a goat and, and it will eat your food, it'll eat everything on the place. Uh, everything you provide for it, but it'll never have feelings for you. You can give it water to drink and you can provide it a place to live and a safe place and it'll never have feelings for you. You can be good to the goat and take care of the goat and it will never have feelings for you or anything that you do for it. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, if you're not careful, we can come to church and get a goat mentality. We've lost our feelings for what he did at Calvary. We lost our feelings of love and worship and praise. We have lost uh, that emotional bond that there is, that emotional connection that we have in the house of God. I'm telling you, we can get our feelings all worked up about a ball game. That doesn't mean anything to really to anybody. We can get our feelings all worked up about politics and none of those politicians really care about us, I don't believe. And we can get uh, all the things going on in the news today and come to church and not feel one blessed thing about what's going on. We, 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 we got it all mixed up, folks. We got it all mixed up we got to get the feeling back in church we got to get the feeling back in our singing we got to get that emotional bond back that I feel something when I walk in the house of God that I enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise hallelujah God give me that tenderness back God give me that sensitivity to your spirit back hallelujah you know I read about several several men that were replaced, and I'm just going to touch this and I'm going to move on. But I read about Eli who got replaced. Finally, God said, Eli, step aside. I've got somebody else that's going to take your place. The reason that Eli was told to step aside was because he was more passive than he was active in the things of God. God just wanted him to get active and he just kind of stood on the sidelines and he just he just kind of he just kind of let things go. He just he just didn't speak up. The preacher preached about men being silent and standing on the sidelines. And the main thing, Eli was a good man. Eli had judged Israel for a long time, but the problem that God had with Eli was that he became passive about the things of God rather than active. 
Let me tell you, I am in jeopardy of my place being taken by somebody else when I get to be more passive in my church attendance, in my worship, in my prayer life than I am active. I've got to stir myself up. Paul, was it Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. You've got to stir yourself up. Don't wait for the preacher to do it. Don't wait for the right song to do it. Don't wait for somebody to come lay hands on you and do it. But you've got to stir yourself up. Say, I'm getting too lazy here lately. I'm getting too complacent here lately. I've got to get stirred up. I've got to get to praying like I used to pray. I've got to get to calling on God like I used to. I've been too passive here lately. Amen. I've been too passive about things. There was a little lady in Florida, and I I may have told you this. uh, uh, I don't remember. If I don't remember, I know you don't remember. So uh, there was a lady in Florida. She she come out from uh, the supermarket, and she's looking for her her car. And she looks and she sees four guys get in her car, and they hop in it and they're laughing and talking and 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 all and. And they start to drive off. Well, let me tell you, she dropped her, she dropped her grocery bags, and she went taking off over there. And she reached in her purse. She said, "Stop!" Well, they stopped, and she reached in her purse. She said, "I've got a gun in my purse, and I know how to use it. Get out of the car!" Man, they opened the door, and they went four different ways. She pulled that gun out. She looked. They were still running. So she got in the car. She was shaking. Oh, she was, she was just so shaken. And she was so shaken, in fact, she could not get the key to fit in the ignition. She couldn't get the key in. And finally, she realized that key, my key don't fit. She looked around. That's why there's a football in the floorboard here. She got to looking around and other things, and she realized... This is not my car. And so she, all of a sudden, a spirit of meekness came upon her. She got out, and she looked around, and her car was four parking spaces over. And so she went and grabbed her little grocery bags and got in her car, and she thought, what should I do? What should I do? So finally, she knew what she should do, so she drove to the nearest police station, and she she walked in, and she said, uh, I, I've, got, I've got something to tell you. Can I talk to the chief of police? Said, sure, sure, come back here. She starts telling her story, and the man just starts doubling over laughing. He just laughing. She's saying, I'm telling you, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. This really happened. He said, ma'am, ma'am, I believe you. Who I didn't believe was the four idiots that came in here a while ago and said a little four foot eleven grandmother with a pistol hijacked their car. <laughs> Some of you, you need to get that Holy Ghost gun back out and say, Devil, I put up with enough. You shoved me around, you stole my joy, you stole my victory. You took my love for truth. You taken everything out of me. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to get back what the devil has took from me. 
It's time to quit being passive and get active again. This is my place. This is my spot. This is my position. This is my seat in the house of God. Amen. Praise God. Let me, let, me, let me give you another one. There was Joab. He was replaced. Joab had a lot of good qualities. Joab helped the kingdom of David in so many times, so many places, so many ways. Joab was a warrior. Joab was, was powerful. Joab, he was a legendary figure. And yet, and yet, uh, Joab, Joab would always insert his personal opinion into every decision that David seemed to make. David wanted to bring Abner in, into the kingdom, show him some mercy, give him a place. And Joab is so adamant he cannot let some, somebody compete with him and somebody on the same level as him. Joab catches him outside of the gates of the city of refuge and he kills him there. He didn't agree with what the king was trying to do. There was a time that Absalom was trying to overthrow David. And, and David said, deal gently with the young man for my sake. For my sake, Joab, you, you be gentle with Absalom. And Joab didn't care. He didn't regard anything that David said. And when he found Absalom dangling from an oak, he took three spears and brutally murdered him while he was helpless there. In spite of the will of the king, Joab's personal opinion seemed to always get in the way. Matter of fact, when David was weeping and he was grieving because of the loss of Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, Joab comes in and says, is this the gratitude we're going to get? Is this what kind of thanks that you're giving to us? Is this how you really feel? All these people wanting to welcome you back into Jerusalem and, and you care so little about their feelings you need to dry your eyes and you need to get up and you need to show a little bit of gratitude. And David said, well, maybe you're right. But here once again, Joab is, is in opposition to the will of the king. Even when David was going to number the troops, Joab said, now, uh, is this really necessary? David, do you think you really ought to, to number the troops once again? Now, Joab was right in his personal opinion sometimes. He was right. I think sometimes one of the most dangerous things, well, it got quiet in here, is when our opinion does prove out to be right every now and then. We start thinking our opinion is right every time. And sometimes we exalt our opinion over the Word of God. Oh, Lord, let's get back to smiling again. I didn't, I, I've done went to meddling here. Amen. But Joab... Finally, when Adonijah declared himself to be king, Joab followed him. Even though David was still alive, and even though David had said Solomon was to be the next king, Joab's personal opinion was that it should be Adonijah. Let's put him on the throne. And when Solomon becomes king, he knows something has to be done with Joab. Joab's personal opinion is always opposing the will of the king. And so he sends Benaiah, chief of the bodyguard, to go and dispatch Joab. And Joab runs to the house of God and he gets a hold of the horns of the altar. And they say, come on out, Joab. And he said, no, 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 I'll die right here. No, 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 come on, come on out. We don't want to shed anybody's blood in the house of God. No, 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 I'll die right here. You know why he had to die? At holding the horns of the altar is because personal opinion, that's the only place it can die. 
Sometimes we hear something preached say, I don't know if I agree with that. You need to go back to the altar and put Joab to death. He'll get you in trouble. I, I don't know. I, 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 is that a heaven or hell issue? You think we really got to do that? You really think that's important? Enough? I'm going to tell you, you better get Joab back to the horns of the altar. And so Joab's got to die. Your personal opinion will make an adversary to the gospel out of you. It'll make an enemy. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. How many times have I had to take my own opinion, my own flesh, what I wanted to do, what I would prefer, and bring it back to the altar and say, you're going to die right here. I'm not leaving until I get some victory over this rotten flesh. Hallelujah. And as powerful as Joab was, God had him step aside. The Bible said, Benaiah became captain of the host in his stead. I don't want somebody to take my place. I don't want somebody to get my spot. If I don't appreciate it, God will have some drunk. He'll come in and he'll be so glad God delivered him from alcohol. If he could have my spot, nobody would have to ask him to shout. He'd be shouting. God will take some drug addict. Amen. Bring them in and they'll be so glad to have this truth. They'll be so glad for the power of the preached word of God. Nobody had to beg them for an amen. Amen. One more and I'm through. There was a man by the name of Abiathar and he was priest. He was priest. He had a place. He had such a special place. He carried the ark of God. The Bible said he carried. He was one to carry the ark of the covenant. The glory of God. He was one of the privileged few that was, that was able to, to carry the very presence of God. And yet in his latter years... He turned after Adonijah and thought Adonijah should be king. Got his priorities mixed up. David was still king, but he thought Adonijah should be king. And you know something? If we're not careful, we will put the wrong king on the throne of our lives. You'll take God off the throne and put money on the throne. You'll take truth off the throne And you'll put your family's opinions on the throne. You'll put the things of this world, the entertainments of this world on the throne. Hallelujah. Oh, that's why we need the house of God. That's why we need to come back and get our minds, get our minds adjusted. You know, I I, I read some time back about uh, Rudy Giuliani when he became... um, mayor of New York City and how that one of the things he wanted to do he wanted to to bring crime down in New York City and one of the things he said we're going to do is we're going to paint over all the graffiti we're going to paint over all the graffiti on the subway trains and they said that's impossible you can't do that so why not because as soon as you send them back out the graffiti artists are going to put graffiti all over them he said well we'll paint over it again he said they're just going to keep painting. He said, no, you've you got to understand, somewhere they're going to get tired. They're going to get tired of seeing their work wasted. 
because it doesn't matter how many times they paint their gang symbols and they paint their slogans and they paint crude language on those subway trains. We're going to paint over it. And after a while, they're going to get tired of seeing their artistic ability go to waste. And so they said, how many times? He said, every time they come into the, to the uh, main station, just paint over it. Every time the trains come by, paint over it. If there's graffiti on it, paint over it. And somewhere, they're going to get tired of putting their slogans on something that it's not going to stick. And you know what happened? Is every time they came in, sure enough, those guys would be waiting and they would, they would paint that graffiti on them. And when they come back to the main station, they'd paint it all over over it. They'd send it back out and it was a war between who was going to win. Every time it came back, they'd paint over it again. And I got a picture of that. That's what happens when we come to church. Hey man, we go out there on the job, you hear a dirty joke on the job and it just puts stuff in your mind, puts graffiti on your mind. You hear the way people talk out there. You have to work around people that's playing ungodly music with ungodly language and it just puts graffiti all over your mind. You come back, somebody said, oh man, I I've had such terrible thoughts. I can't go to church. I'm so condemned. I feel so terrible. I just feel so awful. I, I just don't even feel right with God. You don't understand what I have to go through. And it just drags me down. You just come on back to home station, brother. And, and the blood will paint over it. I don't care what you heard this week. What you saw. I don't care what's going on. How people have treated you. You come back to church. Amen. And the preaching paints over it. The blood paints over it. The worship paints over it. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Don't let your priorities get all mixed up. Don't let your personal opinion become exalted over the will of the king. Don't become more passive than you are active. I'm preaching to people right here tonight. You've walked in this place and you feel such a desolation. I'm preaching to people right here that if you're not careful, you're going to give in to that despair that you feel. The devil's told you, you can't live for God. You'll never be much for God. The devil's lied to you. I'm talking to people right here. The devil's been lying to you all week long and just beating you down and beating you down and beating you down, making your problems look so much bigger than what they are and making the ability to handle those problems so much smaller and making you feel so helpless tonight. I want to tell you the devil is still a liar. You can live for God. God put you in the church, gave you a place because he knew you could make it. God knew your every weakness and he still gave you a place in the house of God. God knew every time you would stumble and he still put you on a pew. God knew every problem you would have and he still gave you a spot in the house of God. I don't care how you failed. You still ought to come in and say thank you God, thank you God. If you didn't love me, I wouldn't be here. If you didn't care for me, I wouldn't still have my place in the house of God. Quit letting the devil make you feel unworthy. Quit making the devil make you think. Uh, amen. Let the devil make you think that you can't raise your hands and praise God. I don't care how you failed. The Bible still says let everything, let everything, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Stand with me. I'm, I'm through. Hallelujah. Several years ago, I read a story and... and, and it, it was actually in a, a newspaper article 
There was a man that uh, he walked, he was walking into a, a store, large store like Walmart or something, and he noticed right up front there was a woman, she was, she was bending over across the steering wheel of her car and she was holding the back of her head with both and he walked in he, he thought well that's strange but he kept walking we see strange people in this world sometimes and and so he walked in got whatever he was going to get when he walked back out he walked back by the car and there was that woman still leaned over the steering wheel holding the back of her head and he tapped on the window. He said, ma'am, ma'am, are you all right? She said, no, I've been shot. He said, do you need help? Yes. Call 911. I've been shot. He said, well, let me see. And, and so he opened the door and she said, no, no, no. My brains are oozing out. And so he said, well, ma'am, move, move, your, move your fingers. She said, no, I'm holding my brains in. My brains are oozing out. I've been shot. And so, man, they called 911, and here come the fire department. Here come the paramedics. Somebody has been shot. And, and so they, they started begging her, Ma'am, move your fingers. Move your hand. We've got to see. We've got to see. She said, No, I, this is the only thing keeping my brains in. I, I, I heard a loud noise, and I felt the impact, and then my brain started oozing out. And so they finally said, ma'am, you've got to move your fingers. And they pried her fingers away. And somebody started laughing. She said, i got a bullet. I, I, there's a bullet. I feel it. There's a bullet in my head. They said, ma'am, it's not a bullet. It's a biscuit. She had bought a can of biscuits and left them in the hot sun. And she got back in her car. And the can of biscuit exploded exploded and knocked her on the back of the head you're laughing but you know what some of you you've been doing the same thing the devil's told you that what has hit you is a bullet and it's going to make you backslide that what's going on in your life is going to just kill you and you can't make it I come to tell you tonight it's not a bullet it's a biscuit there ain't nothing to it. It's not going to take you down. It's not going to destroy you. It's not going to take you out. Quit whining about it. Quit complaining about it. You need to say, hey, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But I'm going to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The devil's been lying to you. You might as worship might as well worship anyway. The devil's been telling a story to you. You're going to have victory. You believe that tonight? You're going to have victory. You're going to overcome. God's going to see you through it tonight. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I wonder if there's anybody who can say the devil's been lying to me. Can anybody say the devil has been, I've been feeling that despair you're talking about, brother. I've been feeling that hopelessness you're talking about, brother. 
I've been feeling that depression you're talking about, brother. I'm telling you tonight, you need to put your hands in the air and say, devil, this is my place in the house of God. You're not going to run me out of it. You're not going to take me away from it. You're not going to steal what God has given to me. Why don't we lift our hands and praise the Lord together?